Hey listeners, producer and co-host Ash here. We recorded this episode the day following the Christchurch shootings, and we wanted to open our episode with a statement of solidarity to all of our Muslim comrades out there in the fight against white supremacy. Take it away, John. Kind of the day before that we recorded this, there was, um, you know, a, a right-wing fascist walked into two houses of worship with machine guns covered in the 14 words and other neo-Nazi propaganda and shot 49 people. Um, and that we stand in solidarity with our, our Muslim brothers and sisters and against the normalization of Islamophobia and the creeping, onrushing growth of political right-wing extremism, um, and that we kind of encourage our, our listeners and our, our friends and our comrades to actively practice some solidarity, to donate to the uh, fundraising efforts, to join your local leftist protest groups, um, and to stand united against Islamophobia and fascism in all of its forms, because fascism is not to be debated. Fascism is not to be granted a platform. Fascism is to be destroyed. Greetings, friends of the great beyond. This is your ghost, I mean host, ready to take you behind the veil of terror and leftist critique. Welcome to the Horror Vanguard. Listeners, we have a, a exciting and wildly special episode today. We have our first guest. First guest on the Spine Gang. This is this is so exciting. Uh, probably my favorite left tuber, one of my favorite podcasters. Uh, we are going to be talking with Mexi of of her own YouTube channel and the Vegan Vanguard. We're going to be talking with Mexi about animal rights, uh, liberation, and politics of veganism. Get ready, listeners. Uh, here you go. <laughs> So we are extremely excited here on the Horror Vanguard to be joined uh, by our first ever guest, um, the co-host of the fantastic podcast, The Vegan Vanguard, one of the stalwarts of BreadTube slash LeftTube, well known for their essays on political economy, grounded critiques of capitalism and class consciousness raising through the internet. Mexi is with us. How are you doing? Wow, thank you so much for that incredible introduction. I'm doing great and I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm also a huge fan of both of you and recently this podcast, I'm really excited about it. So just thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. It is an absolute pleasure. And we are going to be talking about one of the most kind of interesting and disturbing examinations of... Um, cannibalism that's come out in in contemporary horror in the last i think probably the last five years or so uh which is from 2017 raw but before we jump into talking about the film uh just very quickly um Maxine, maybe you could just talk a little bit for people who maybe haven't come across you and your work uh what you do uh, tell us a little bit about the vegan vanguard and why you think uh, veganism is so central and so important to good leftist praxis. Sure. So uh, <laughs> I started the vegan vanguard with my bestie and uh, co-host Maureen from A Privileged Vegan. And it's a great way to do a podcast. <laughs> just, just 
saying that yeah. <laughs> about my friend Ash. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so we met actually through YouTube because I had started my channel as more of a vegan channel. And then I transitioned into more of a leftist channel, but I still do talk about veganism. Um, and she has a really great channel talking about intersectional or pro-intersectional veganism, basically. And other than a few podcasts that we had come across, we just felt like there wasn't a lot of people talking about veganism as a political stance. And there weren't a lot of people talking about anti-capitalist veganism. Um, There's a lot Mm -hmm. of people putting out, you know, mainstream vegan thought. Basically, it's just change your diet list, change your consumption patterns, and that's all you oh, have to do. Oh, take your time. Um, so, so yeah, we felt like it was just really important to make a show about veganism as a political stance and how it relates mm. to, yeah, the environment, um, racial politics, gender politics, etc. So that's what we try to do on that show. And mm. yeah, on my YouTube channel, I focus mostly on political economy, but I also bring kind of veganism into that. And I'm, I plan I plan on doing that more in the future as well. That's really, really cool. And, you know, I think um, both me and Ash have benefited enormously from the work that you've done through YouTube and through Vegan Vanguard. You've been putting out some just really challenging and inspiring and educational content. Um, so, but maybe you could give a kind of quick 101 you know mm-hmm. uh for, for people who maybe haven't thought about this issue before you know what is veganism mm-hmm. and how would you connect what you see veganism as the kind of the larger conversations on the left of uh class race gender oppression the the oncoming ecological catastrophe of <laughs> of climate change right. and and why we should bring this into our kind of practice as leftists yeah absolutely so When we say that veganism is a political stance, we mean that it's a political stance against the commodity status of animals, against violating the autonomy of other sentient beings for our pleasure. And we want to move away from, like I said, the idea of veganism just being a grocery list, because obviously that's problematic for a number of reasons. Um, Consumption alone is not going to to fix everything. But also, if we just think about it as consumption, then yeah, we're really disconnecting that from broader conversations that we could be having about environmental politics, for example. So animal agriculture, if people don't Mm. know, is extremely unsustainable and extremely taxing (laughs) on our environment and one of the leading causes of climate change, actually. So actually reducing our meat consumption is one of the best ways to cut greenhouse gas emissions. Um, And in terms of environmental politics, we can also think about this as, uh, you know, taking a stand against maybe anthropocentrism and thinking more Mm -hmm. about our place within ecosystems as opposed to just, uh, you know, dominating ecosystems and taking what we want from them. Um, And then in terms of connecting it to, you know, race, class, gender, et cetera, or, or leftist praxis, I mean, if as leftists, we're concerned with liberation for all, then certainly we should be extending that as far as possible, or certainly it would make sense to extend that to other sentient beings. And depending on your your um, tendency, I mean, anarchists especially have a, a big connection with veganism because anarchy is essentially the negation of archy. So the negation of all hierarchies, right? So... Um, mm-hmm. That would include uh, carnism, speciesism, et cetera, along with the state, capitalism, patriarchy, et cetera. 
And there's been a lot of really great theory put out there about the connections between speciesism, which is, yeah, if you're, if you're taking a political stance against the commodity status of animals, you're basically taking a stance against speciesism. Um, and there are obviously a lot of connections between speciesism and racism and um, sexism, etc. So AFCO actually wrote a really great book called Aphorism, which makes a lot of those connections between speciesism and racism um, and talks about how in our society, when people are marginalized, they're often animalized in many ways. So mm-hmm. you can yeah. think about like women being called bitches, right? Or Mm -hmm. people of color being compared to a number of animals or, you know, just indigenous people being called animals and savages and things like that. Mm So it's kind of thinking about the hierarchies that we have in our society um, and including animals as a marginalized group and thinking about marginalization in terms of if you're if you're elevated up uh, the ranks of the hierarchy, you're more humanized. And if you're relegated to the lower parts of the hierarchy, then you're more animalized. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's a lot of connections as well between feminism and animal liberation, because uh, in the animal agriculture industry, um, you know, female animals are exploited in particular ways for their reproduction. And then also male animals are are considered disposable in many of those kinds of um, industries that prioritize just uh, female reproduction, like dairy, the dairy industry or uh, the mm-hmm. egg industry, for example. Um, and yeah, so there's, there's just so many connections there. And I just feel like clearly if we want liberation for all, then we should be thinking about these things and making these connections. No, that's really, really fascinating. And I know, Ash, you, you kind of come from more of a, an anarchist background than me. Is there anything you wanted to kind of add into that? I, I could not have said that better myself. That, is, that, is fant- that was a fantastic summary of why uh, veganism slash animal liberation is is an important issue for the left, especially from an anarchist perspective. That that was very well put. Great. No, that's 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 fascinating, and it's something something that maybe lots of people haven't haven't uh, thought about, especially in the context of their own politics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and I know we're going to get into this later, but I think a lot of the like, like dietary veganism has been consumed by the capitalist discourse. So I think that's right. part of, part of the reason maybe that the left has somewhat shunned the issue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, it's that's a big industry. <laughs> is just like the vegan health industry, and yeah. um, all basically all the vegan influencers on Instagram and YouTube are, and everything are just promoting veganism so that you can be thin and drink yeah. smoothie bowls on the beach and that's basically all it is <laughs> so I, I hadn't realized that there was such a thing as vegan capitalist realism <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like like the, the, there can be there can be veganism but only within this kind of capitalistic uh, consumerist yeah. paradigm yeah and so it's so cool to kind of mm-hmm. see you like genuinely politicizing mm what is so often kind of an aesthetic or consumption choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so important to shift that discourse because the mainstream discourse is really not appealing to a lot of people. It's basically white veganism. Um, It's veganism that cares only about the animals and doesn't care about the oppression of people. Uh, Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's super capitalist. So. And it's, it's also very toxic from like a, a body image perspective. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which again, we will get onto in a minute when we turn oh, in yeah. more detail to today's film. But before we do that, um, it would be really, it would be really cool if we could hear a little bit, Maxi, about your kind of experience with horror, maybe a few faves uh, or things you've enjoyed lately, and how you think horror can kind of connect into your your work and your your educational kind of work and your own personal kind of leftist politics. Yeah, so I was really excited uh, to come on the show because I thought that something about myself might interest you both and the listeners, and that is that I was actually born on Halloween. What? <laughs> what? Yes. what? Oh my god, you won like spooky left lottery. This is incredible. I know, I know. So growing up, I was so into everything horror, everything, you know, you know, you had to do speeches in grade school. I did all my speeches on mm-hmm. witches and ghosts and oh, this is awesome. and like all that stuff. And all of my birthday sleepovers were obviously the best because we would yeah. go, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. We would all like go out to haunted <laughs> houses and then we would come back and just like watch horror movies all night. Um, and my parents really let us watch movies that probably we should, we should not have been watching as children, but, <laughs> um, but my favorite one when I was a kid, uh, it's, you know, kind of maybe cheesy, but it's the original Halloween with, um, Jamie Lee Curtis. That was mm-hmm. my favorite movie when I was a child. And I've kind of, I a stone cold. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just, I always still have a soft spot for that one. And there's been so many remakes and some of them, some of them, eh, some of them just horrible, but um, yeah, I always still like that one. And then recently one that really freaked me out was the witch. I believe it was. Oh, yeah. 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 I found that that was a good one. Um, but in terms of like politics, I mean, Get Out was so good in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. So those were some of my faves. Um, and then in terms of linking it to politics, um, I think that your show has been really inspiring for me to think about that more because previously I had, like, other than a, a movie like Get Out where the politics kind of just smack you in the face, you know, mm-hmm. um, other mm-hmm. than that, I hadn't really thought too much about um, like what it can do for politics, but I mean, mm. your breakdowns have been so insightful. So I was like, oh right, like of course, of course, all these things make sense. <laughs> and I think that I think that if done well, it can really like this movie we're going to talk about um, today. If done well, it can really make certain things um, appear horrifying. Like it can make mundane things that we don't think about appear really horrifying. Like bring out um, the horror in in you know what we're actually doing in this world you know yeah totally i mean that's something we've talked about quite a lot this way the way that kind of horror is is diagnostic and it is um the kind of alienating effects of horror uh, that as a viewer kind of force you to re-examine the kind of what we take to be very naturalized conditions mm-hmm. um with that in mind i think it's probably time that we jump in and we talk about this film so ash um, do you want to kind of do your thing where you sort of introduce the film and give us a quick little rundown on what exactly it is we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, absolutely. So here's the spark notes for uh, 2017's Raw. Or spoilers, gri- spoiler, here be spoilers. Oh, yes, yeah. Spoiler alert, as, as usual, if you haven't seen the film, why are you listening to this? Go watch this movie. <laughs> but uh, so 20, 20, 2016's Raw is a uh, French film, part of the new French extremity, a uh, trend of amazing cinema coming out of France right now. 
Uh, the original title is Grave. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. There's probably a very like elegant and romantic French way to say that. But nevertheless, Cough. there we go. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. <laughs> But the uh, so the basic premise of the movie is uh, Justine is uh, just going off to uh, university to study to become a vet. She's a very shy, timid kind of book nerd type. When she enters the university, uh, she she encounters these really like we'll get into this, but these are really hardcore, violent hazing rituals that she's exposed to. Oh, it's awful! Yeah, it's, it's, just it's awful. Really disturbing, mm. and and you know, it's part of the whole new French extremity. The way they the way they frame this very personal and intimate horror through these things is just really hardcore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the course of these hazing rituals, she she's forced to eat meat for the first time in her life. Her family are strict vegetarians; they've never had meat before. And uh, we see in an early scene that her mom is very protective of this fact. She finds a little, mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit of sausage in, in her plate of food at a restaurant. And she just goes off uh, uh, on the restaurant's staff for, for giving them meat when they're strict vegetarians. Um, and that, that sets off in Justine a, a hunger for flesh. You know, as, as her father states later on in the movie, once, once an animal has gotten a taste of, of human meat, they can never go back. They can never be safe again. And Justine, Justine begins uh, to eat people in various <laughs> modes, to, to put it flatly. And, and the movie builds on from there, and we'll be, we'll be getting into the plot of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. It's it the quick spark notes. It is, it is, it's very beautiful and deeply disturbing, and in places, uh, in places kind of funny, and in places I, I found actually genuinely kind of moving um yeah so yeah why don't, why don't we start with just like kind of initial reactions to it and things that immediately jumped out mm. man i mean I've, again i have like pages of notes here so so many things jumped out <laughs> so many things jumped out um i mean i don't even know how to sit talk about what jumped out without getting into the themes that we're gonna get into later but um i mean one thing was when they were showing uh, like, cause they're veterinarians, right? So when they were showing yeah. them, you know, practicing operating on mm-hmm. the horses or even they had this one scene where the horse was, um, on a treadmill and it was, uh, hooked up oh, to all these yeah. things. And that, it was just a, a scene of this horse in a black background, just running mm-hmm. on this treadmill in slow motion, but it was really chilling, right? Like it was just really right? yes. unnerving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, so something first... about that scene was just so powerful. Yeah. It it, it, it was just like like I, I don't I don't know why, but in my head I was just thinking about body horror the whole mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a like a hugely body horror heavy oh, yeah. film. Yeah. Um I read an interview with uh Julie Decornot, who's the director um, and there's there's a scene, one of the very first scenes where you see them actually sort of learning as as veterinary students. There's a sedation of a horse, mm-hmm. and it's this and it's this deeply uncomfortable thing to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see the kind of like direct uh, kind of subjugation of this incredibly powerful animal. And Decorno had just found uh, a veterinary college that had to sedate a horse and just put the axes in the frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's something kind of like very flatly real about the way that these animals are presented and staged. And that's that's precisely what makes it kind of horrifying, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to? <laughs> Should we jump into the? Yeah, yeah, yeah let's, let's do it. Let's talk about it. Over to you, Ash. 
you want to lead the way through this first half of things? Yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, let's get in to this movie. So um, I think I think the first thing the first thing we have here on our list of things to bring up that that is potentially endless because this movie is just rich with with discourse mm-hmm. is is the the way that um, especially industrial capitalism has alienated the consumer from the product of consumption. And, and this occurs on every level, you know, the the, the most uh, obvious, I think, and talked about example are things like things like TVs. You know, we, we receive this completed object with no no meaningful connection to the miners that, that extracted these uh, rare earth metals that helped put it together or the factory workers that did all of the actual labor. We just see the finalized product. But one mm-hmm. of the less discussed uh, modalities of this is meat. Mm-hmm. We we encounter animal products in the store as these cleanly wrapped packages uh, with with kind of, you know, these these artisanal labels like, you know, rare black Angus or something. And we we have no connection to the actual butchery and production of the meat. And I think one of the things that Raw really successfully does is is it bridges that gap. It de-alienates the consumption of meat by by giving us a intimate and close-up view of legitimate cannibalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, eating meat is probably, I think, one of the most stark examples of commodity fetishism because we don't yes. even call it a cow. We call it beef. Exactly. You know? <laughs> we yeah. have all these, yeah. you know, euphemistic <laughs> names for these things. And it's uh, it's presented to us in this super sanitized package that is just totally disconnected mm-hmm. in all ways from, yeah, the people who produced it, um, like slaughterhouse workers are some of the most exploited workers in the Absolutely. world and yes. have a terrible job to do. And so we're right. divorced from that, but we're also divorced from the actual animal who's body this Mm -hmm. is right and then i think also like in other uh, because i liked how they were like veterinarians and i was kind of thinking about yeah um you know at what point is it okay to violate an animal's bodily autonomy and it's like well medicine maybe right yeah um but there's a lot of other industries in which animals are exploited and it's totally unseen like like cosmetics or something like that right Mm -hmm. um where Mm -hmm. animals are tested on or um even you know animal products are inside the actual cosmetics or things that we're using um and that commodity is completely fetishized as well obviously like we like we have no idea that that has anything to do with an animal because it's not a piece of meat right so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i really did think it was this film made it not only seem horrible to even, you know, as the vets were doing, like even to hook these, the horses up and have them run, it was horrifying to Mm -hmm. have their bodies kind of controlled and violated in that way. But yeah, they really made it seem horrifying to eat meat. And then obviously like how that translated into eating other people. Um, They, yeah, they just, they made it seem so revolting. And I feel like they did a good job at connecting I guess the cannibalism in the film just to the idea of eating meat in general. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing, one thing I really wanted to kind of pick your brain on and get your opinion on is how, how the film animalizes Justine Mm -hmm. and, and her sister. Yeah. Uh, The, 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 like, like the one, the one thing that's really powerful when, when they're fighting in, in like the quad and all of these like men in lab coats, all of their fellow students are watching. Mm Mm-hmm. And and you've got that one scene where they're just kind of like half on the ground, like clawing at each other, and, right. and the two other students in lab coats are holding them back, right. and they look like baying hounds or something. Yeah. 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 Totally. 
Yeah, I know. I see the thing that I thought with that. See, I, I, I think we'll get into it more, but, um, the film I think does a really great job at, um, yeah, showing how horrifying it is, I suppose, to eat meat. And I think it does a really good job at connecting carnism with like patriarchy and other forms of domination yeah. Oh, yeah. and oppression. Um, but then they did have those things where, yeah, the sisters were animalized. And at the end, um, we find out that, you know, spoiler alert, we find out that um, mm-hmm. their mom <laughs> actually is also a cannibal. Um, yeah. And... <laughs> like basically i guess keeps that in check by like biting the dad repeatedly Mm -hmm. (laughs) um in this like sustainable way i suppose so then it kind of seemed like okay like this was perhaps passed down to them um Mm -hmm. and then them kind of uh, yeah, being shown as kind of these animals that can't control themselves and that just need blood, that kind of thing. I was kind of like, are they are they intimating that this is kind of human nature? You know what I mean? Or are they? Oh yeah, great are they point. intimating that like we in fact are animals and that like yeah, these urges are animalistic in nature? Because um, then I was like, well, if they are making these connections between. Um, carnism, patriarchy, and then I would extend that to capitalism because I think the same thing that of course. underlies these oppressions is kind of ultimately the same. Um, so then I was like, well, what if the most horrifying part of this film is that capitalism is human nature, <laughs> you know, or like the insinuation <laughs> oh, wow, that yeah. like it that that we just can't control ourselves, like when we, I don't know. Yeah, that is the scariest thing I've heard in a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's a really good point, though, because I was thinking about this and I noticed in that in that scene where the two sisters end up fighting. Obviously, the very first thing they do before anyone tries to separate them is everybody pulls out their cell phones mm-hmm. yep. and starts yep. re- starts recording. Um, and Justine is recorded after she sort of drinks too much of the party. And we won't get into that. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's true that these these students are incredibly uh, alienated both from from the, themselves as well. For them, the, the, this kind of capitalist predation is very much what it means to be in this environment, mm-hmm. right? True. Yeah. We 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 are with you know Justine is is the audience point of view figure, and she's thrown into this environment with these kind of brutal, semi-fascistic hazing sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, like systematically broken down and it's to me it was a great way of kind of connecting this the question of kind of uh, animal autonomy and the, and, and the bodies of animals with the bodies of humans under capitalism we're we're alienated from ourselves under capitalism as Marx pointed out it violates our autonomy by reducing us to selling our labor for subsistence wages and then capitalism produces subjects which will produce that same alienation over again mm-hmm. yeah I think that's really well said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there, there goes those leftists again, just agreeing with each other. Yeah, all right. The time. <laughs> Typical leftist echo Typical. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's so, that's completely well said, and I, and I think we're going to talk about it a bit later too. But um, in the hazing and everything, there's just a lot about yes. learning to obey, and like you mm-hmm. have to learn. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of the same under capitalism. Like we have to learn to accept our alienation. Like we have to learn that this is just the way that it is. And if you want to think differently, like, no, you, you can't, you must obey, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that um that, that that leads in and I know we touched on carnism briefly a second ago, but I think that leans pretty heavily in, into the discourse, right? The idea that you know, carnism isn't necessarily the natural state of humanity. And we see this through like mm-hmm. the hazing ritual that Justine goes through, right? She mm-hmm. She's covered in animal blood. She's forced to eat raw meat. Mm-hmm. You know, she she progresses from from someone who has like maybe a bit of a naive understanding of, of vegetarianism. We, we see her debate a student and she kind of like clumsily handles like a, a vegetarian discourse. Mm-hmm. But, but nevertheless, like an, an earnest uh, uh, belief in it. Mm-hmm. And and th- this is beaten and ground out of her by by this this fascistic capitalistic hazing ritual. She is forced mm-hmm. in, into this unnatural mode, which which later transforms her into something monstrous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Melanie Joy has a, a TED talk about this um, about carnism as this ideology that's basically imposed on us at a very young age so i'd recommend people check that out um but basically it's the idea that you know children are naturally empathetic children naturally love animals like there's a saying if you put a a child Mm -hmm. in a playpen or something with an apple and a a baby goat or something like which one will it um, eat which one will it cuddle and play with you know um and there's so yeah. many you know videos that go viral on the internet of kids who really love animals and then they find out somehow that what they're eating is actually an mm-hmm. animal that they love and they're absolutely horrified <laughs> and they're yeah. like no i'm not going to eat this you know and then their parents are just like well too bad you have to right like you have to do this and then it's just beaten into us that this is just the way it is you know there are certain animals that we love like dogs and companion animals there are certain animals that we detest and that are nuisances to us like raccoons or rats or pigeons or something and then there's certain animals that we keep captive and abuse until we slaughter them and eat their bodies kids like that's just how it goes you know <laughs> like you have to learn you have to obey right and then so we grow up with this idea and we don't question it and then when we we get older you know we have people um you know really appalled at the Yulin dog festival in china And just absolutely, you know, campaigning really hard to stop that. And it's just like, well, what do you think you're eating? You know, like what? Right. Yeah. How is that pig fundamentally different than this dog? You know, imagine a bunch of dogs Mm. being herded into a slaughterhouse and kept captive and, you know, Mm -hmm. not able to move and stuff. But because it's been so hammered into our heads that there are certain animals that that just happens to um it's completely naturalized and so if something's just natural then you don't stop to think about the ethics of it or why we're even doing it in the first place you know Mm, yeah totally totally i think that kind of leads us on really nicely to talk about a little bit about justine's family um because ash i know you i know you had some thoughts about justine and her relationship with her dad and what we find out about the father played by the very stoic Laurent Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we can also talk about the relationship between Justine and her mother and Justine and her sister as well. So do you want to take it away? Yeah, definitely. I think the, the familial bonds in this film are, are, are very interesting, especially in like the greater context of New French extremity. That's kind of in, into that as a discourse. But yeah, Laurent, Laurent Lucas just kills it in this film. I, he, he's like third or fourth string but he's a phenomenal actor mm-hmm. but uh he he, play, he plays a character that we only know as uh father or the father uh 
And and as uh, Maxi mentioned earlier, at the end of the film, we discover that uh, his his wife, the mother of Justine, is also a cannibal. And their their way of of finding like a sustainable, humane meat air quotes solution to this is is to have like the mother take bites out of him and you know he unbuttons his shirt and and for the whole movie he's either wearing like a very high collar or or a scarf and and we see we see the reason for this is because his entire torso is just just ripped apart with scars right like there are, there are scars upon scars this is how they've been like quote unquote solving this problem you know for for however however long it's been we we, we can assume decades since they've both been in veterinary school mm-hmm and I think the, the this this brings up a very interesting discussion. And in Mexico, like, I, of course, I would absolutely love your thoughts on this. But but the idea of like like oh like free range happy cows happy meat, you know, like like as as yeah right. It's 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 ridiculous. But but as as like as like the the quote unquote like liberal sustainable solution to to meat production. Mm-hmm. And and one one of the things especially is that like that that's inherently a classist position. You know, like like it's it's completely unsustainable to feed the world's population currently, mm-hmm. but even wildly more unsustainable to have like the uh, the father solution where there's some kind of like humane meat going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love when people <laughs> because I mean they always say you know like you can, you can always tell a vegan because they'll tell you about it or whatever. Um, oh yeah. But I you know I never really bring that up. But as soon as other people will. Like if I'm just eating my meal and they're just like, oh, why is there no meat? And I'm like, oh, I'm vegan. Um, they'll yep. immediately jump to something like, oh, well, I get all my meat from oh, a sustainable yeah. grass. Like, and I get my, and I don't even eat that much of it or whatever. And I'm like, I, I don't care. Yep. I didn't ask. But also I'm like, A, that's a terrible argument. You know what I mean? It's just like. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Guilty conscious much? I know. But it's just like, not only have you not, like, I didn't ask, but that's not a good argument because that is actually less sustainable from an environmental standpoint. And like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry, but you're still keeping this animal captive and then slaughtering it and eating its body. So anyway, um, yeah, but that is very classist, especially because that meat usually costs a lot more. So it's like, oh, this is only a privilege of the rich to be able to eat humane meat, right? Or to to, to have that mm-hmm. ethical choice or whatnot. Um and yeah, I mean, I guess that that still also just frames it as a consumption thing that, oh, well, we can solve this just by tweaking the practice instead of, um, you know, fundamentally questioning the entire industry and the ethics around uh, violating animals' bodily autonomy in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, agreeing with each other all the time. Uh, all the time. I, I think that's yeah. like the un- unofficial motto of our podcast is absolutely. Yeah, yeah I totally, agree. Totally well said. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it, just this idea of bodily autonomy to me was incredibly interesting. And I really liked the way that it was explored in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, part of that was, like I said, that, that, scene with the horse just running yes Um, oh my god yes horribly chilling and i think it's just it was that it was because of that it was because this was completely violating the bodily autonomy of that animal and you just felt so so much sympathy for it and so much like oh you shouldn't be forced to do this you know um Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. as well they had yeah the the horse that was um uh, undergoing some kind of, uh, I don't know what they were doing, pumping its stomach or something. But right, yeah. it was also really uncomfortable to watch that. 
Um, and then, you know, in the hazing, the students were obviously treated terribly. They were treated like animals, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, they were herded into a really small, dark place. They didn't know where they were going. There was a lot of, you know, commotion and fear. Um, and I was just thinking, you know, well, that's basically what animals going to slaughter go through all the time. Yes. Yes. Like that's the kind Mm, of fear and like, they're just completely lost. They don't know what's happening. And, um, and they had that scene as part of that where um, in the dark, all of the students were just yes. like crawling across the floor. Um, right? Yeah. 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 It, it was in some concrete corridor that, that that just, I think, very intentionally echoes like the slaughterhouse vibe. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really, really well done. Um, mm-hmm. And then you also had like the sexy parties <laughs> that would have like yeah. you had that. And then immediately after it was like, OK, now everyone's at this super sexy party. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But even that, I mean, there was a lot of scenes where um, like she goes to one of those parties and they throw paint on her and she has blue paint on, on her and this guy has mm-hmm. yellow paint on him and they force them into this bathroom and they're like, don't come out until both of you are green or whatever. Um, so, and, and that's, and then it's like, you know, him kind of violating her bodily autonomy. Um, and then she ends up biting his lip off, <laughs> which is like, which was, ama- was amazing. Yeah, right? like, Loved it. Totally amazing. Um, but even that was kind of like, okay, violating your bodily, like, you know, I mean, it's just like, there's just violations going on everywhere. And I kind of just, stop to think for a minute and i was like well isn't that what all oppression is at its core like isn't that mm-hmm. what patriarchy is yeah. is at its core like i'm going to violate your bodily autonomy because i can and because i want to you know what i mean and same with capitalism it's just it's just that i'm going to violate you um because i can and i want to and that's it and i was kind of like damn Mm. that's kind of behind everything and i think that it did a really good job of making us all really uncomfortable with all bodies being violated in in ways that they didn't consent to like even the horse uh being treated on by the vets like even though that's quote unquote for the greater good which is also like you know for Mm. the greater good is how we that's how we um you know, legitimize technocracy and everything in our society right now for the greater good. I'm going to violate certain people's bodily autonomy or whatever. Um, I just think it did a really good job of making us feel deeply uncomfortable with that. Yeah. There's a really interesting moment towards the end of the film where Justine um, ends up in bed with Adrien, uh, her roommate. Mm. And there's a moment where she's, she's going to bite him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, no, no, stop that. Don't do that. Uh, and so she ends up having to kind of sink her teeth into her own arm mm-hmm. to sort of like get rid of that sort of intense desire. And it's so, I think that's so fascinating when you consider this notion of the, the uh, violation of autonomy as a kind of constituent part of subjectivity that, you know, it's made to be the thing that we want to do to others. Mm-hmm. You know, it's made to be this thing that is a kind of really powerful drive that, as you said, underpins everything. Mm-hmm. And the way the way that it's it's defeated in that case is that she actually turns it back upon herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, there I'm kind of like, are you intimating that that's human nature or is that coming from I think maybe that's coming from the fact that like 
she ate this meat. And to me, it's like that the fact that she ate the meat, um, I mean, like a lot of vegans will talk about how, uh, like oppressing animals, like you can't, you can't have liberation or you can't have equality among people as long as you still oppress animals. So it's kind of like the gateway drug into mm-hmm. other oppressions. Mm-hmm. And so I was yeah. like, okay, maybe the fact that she was forced to eat this meat is kind of this metaphor of like, well, that's the gateway into oppressing other mm-hmm. people. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that is interesting because there, obviously she respected his bodily autonomy, like to some extent um, by taking it out on herself. But and yeah, it's it's really framed as like that was a struggle for her to do. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think absolutely. you make a really strong point with the whole uh, her, her her consuming meat for the first time is kind of this entrance into this greater exploitative practice. Because mm-hmm. prior prior to that, she's very she she she's very hesitant about the whole rave party scene and the uh, hazing rituals. But as the movie progresses, you know, like she she kind of comes to uh, not necessarily enjoy or appreciate but nevertheless accept the hazing rituals accept the the mm-hmm. the culture that's being forced down onto her mm-hmm. and 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 you see her like kind of go from being like re- respecting uh your, you know her partner's boundaries in in terms of their their sexual experience to to just straight up murdering and eating people <laughs> to just completely crossing the line and like you know murdering and eating mm-hmm. people is probably the pinnacle of violating someone's mm-hmm. uh, consensual bodily bodily mm-hmm. autonomy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what I just thought that it also kind of shows that this this idea of like well the people or the animals that we love we spare and the mm-hmm. ones that we don't know like the one oh yeah you know like so she didn't violate his bodily autonomy in that way because she really cared about him so it's like okay you're um you've been humanized to me like you i yeah. care about yeah, yeah, yeah. that's brilliant brilliant insight yeah but then like the, the people driving by in the car that they uh, whatever they um yeah i guess we haven't explained this part but um the sister shows her kind of how to get people to eat and it is by Mm -hmm. waiting by these trees on the road and then jumping out in front of cars so that they crash into the trees so that they can eat the people inside um so -hmm. those people are they haven't been humanized right like i don't care about you so i can eat you it's fine um but yeah i just think that yeah yeah (laughs) the film the film also also doesn't do what you expect with domesticated animals either because um Justine's family have a uh, they have a dog called Quickly, mm-hmm. um, and at the party at the first party where she sees Alexia, her sister, uh, Quickly the dog is with them. <laughs> um, but then midway through, she gets a text from her sister saying, "Oh, Quickly had to be put down. Mom's so upset." Hashtag too cute, <laughs> and it's like, ha- hang on a second, yeah, you eat people, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> And, the, and then right at the end, right at the end, when uh, Justine and her father are talking at the table, there's a new dog. And mm-hmm. but that's that's just a little a little signal that the film drops in that, like, mm-hmm. a lot of the violence towards animals, I think, is 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 as we as we've said, it's it's displaced. It's hidden the, the kind of violence of the commodity form. Capitalism depends upon it being able to obscure that. Mm-hmm. So that not only do we not not know anything about where uh, quite a lot of our food comes from and the conditions under which it's produced, but we can't know mm. that because all we have to kind of mediate the relationship between the the the, the person and the, and the commodity is price, mm-hmm. right? And so it's the things which cost a lot. They're the things that are seen as valuable, mm. and it's the things. So 
Justine forms a relationship with her roommate. He's he's seen as kind of humanized enough to be beyond to be something more than just a kind of means to an end, a means to satisfy that desire for the violation of bodily autonomy. Mm-hmm. Those people in the car, mm-hmm. you know, there's a moment where Alexa's like, I'm trying, I'm doing this for you. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm mm-hmm. gonna cause this, like, you need to know this. Because mm-hmm. those people are completely disposable. Mm-hmm. You know, they're complete we don't know anything about them, we can't know anything about them because they've been reduced to the to and violently so mm-hmm. to being just the satisfaction of a kind of need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that whole, like, cause she tells her like, you need to learn. Right. And I think that yeah, also yeah. kind of brings it full circle to this uh, Melanie Joy idea of carnism as this ideology that you learn. Yeah. Right. So it's like, no, no, these people are fine to eat because we mm-hmm. have to, this is just how it is. This is how it is, you know? And that one, one thing that car scene really, really brought, home for me was was the the idea of like this this ford assembly line style of production of meat you know like the Mm. the road is the conveyor belt and then down the line comes another dehumanized section of consumable goods Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and how quickly the that uh justine and alexia herself go go from like any any kind of understanding that the people in the car were in fact beings who existed and who had you know rights or a life of their own to Okay, well, you know, they're here now. Let's just eat them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a good insight. With that in mind, um, maybe it's worth talking about the way in which there is a kind of... We talked a bit about the kind of alienated economy of this this veterinary college. But maybe we could talk a little bit about the kind of libidinal economy, the the connection here that's made between, like, cannibalism and consumption and you know, the pleasures of the flesh, as it were. And we've mentioned a little, we've mentioned a little bit, um, these kind of, the, the, the fondness for like, uh, parties where it's like this kind of hedonistic club night atmosphere. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe you both have some kind of thoughts on, on, on the kind of libidinal pleasures that this film kind of puts forward, uh, and how that connects to everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Ash, do you want to start or? <laughs> yeah, totally. totally. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, I, I, th- I think for for me in that respect, the the first thing that comes to mind is 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 probably um, my my biggest critique of like like quote unquote like mainstreamed vegan consumptive culture is that I, we, I know we talked about this uh, briefly earlier, but it, it's a, it's a veganism divorced from any kind of political commitment. Mm-hmm. It's just like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I eat my diet cheese and my Boca burgers and I, I am a good member. It's a very liberal centrist a- approach to animal liberation. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that uh, the scenes we see in this movie of uh, Justine and Alexia partying really speaks to that, you know, mm-hmm. because J- Justine at first is like ashamed of her consumptive choices. Right. You know, she's not. Super concerned about, you know, the implications of them. She's more uh, concerned about her own personal purity. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's that amazing, amazing moment where she's like fishing around the fridge for like raw chicken. Yes. And and Adrien comes in and goes, OK, wh- what are you what are you doing? <laughs> and she mm-hmm. says, oh, I'm looking for the breakfast cereal. He's like, no, the breakfast cereal is on the top shelf. That <laughs> yep. is not what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then I, I, I think that. You know, this this movie really expresses a, a critique of that, a critique of veganism as purely a decision about what you do and do not eat. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. and we see we see that embodied in in Justine. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's like so problematic to to frame veganism as just something that you do, like you do or absolutely. do not eat. Um, and I mean, a lot of people who might not be perfect or pure in their diets uh, can still do so much more for the animals, right? By actually absolutely. getting out yes. there, mobilizing against the industries, against like capitalism, against speciesism. There's so much work to be done that is not just mm-hmm. an individual choice because it, individual choice in the in the supermarket is not actually going to change anything, um, right? Of course not. Yeah. And, and, and let, let alone, oh yeah, go go no, on. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. You t- 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 take it away. Oh no, I was just gonna say, and um, like the I, the fact that Justine was ashamed of her desire for meat, like it kind of made it seem like something. Um, I don't know, like indulgent. You know what I mean? Like something. Yeah. That she yes. Was doing that she didn't want anyone else to know because this was, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just I guess an indulgent thing, um, and. I think that it really showed, yeah, I mean, like, just the hedonism of meat-eating itself. Um, because to me, yeah, just going back to this bodily autonomy thing, it's that's what meat-eating is. It's like I'm going to violate your bodily autonomy because I want and because it's pleasurable for me. Because I have so many people who, you know, they'll hear all of the arguments against they'll agree like they'll look at all the stats oh my god yeah the environment they'll look at what's going on in the industry and they'll be like oh yeah true like it's this is all really bad but it just tastes so good like i can't stop eating it because it tastes so good and i'm like nothing is more tiring than that (laughs) yeah the the, the, like oh i agree with all of your brilliant points and insights but like if I can't have my Baconator, I don't know how I'll handle Tuesdays. Right, right. yeah. And I'm like, I'm so here. And I think that this film really kind of exposes that that's a really ridiculous argument for murder. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, right. like, obviously, um, like, Justine is portrayed as, like, once she tastes blood, then she's just in this, like, fervor that she just can't mm-hmm. stop or whatever, right? Um, and then... Uh, when they show that um, Adrian has been eaten, <laughs> um, like Justine yeah. wakes up in bed with him and it's like, oh, they just had a nice night together or whatever. And he won't wake up and she's shaking him and screaming. And then she like pulls away the blanket and he's been like half eaten or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. And it turns out that her sister did that, but still, um, it, like she even kind of takes pity on her sister a bit like she doesn't actually end up she goes to like stab her or whatever but then she doesn't and she kind of looks at her as if she kind of like takes pity on her um and i kind of yeah. thought you know that's kind of like oh you know i understand like it's just too hard to stop kind of thing um but i think that obviously makes it a really good point about how you know, it just tastes good or I just want it is a terrible argument for murder, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. There's a great great Mark Fisher quote, which I think about all the time, where he talks about the fact that we have yet to reckon with the fact that of our insertion into the machine of capitalism on the level of desire. Mm. You know, capital capital feeds on dead labor, but the the labor it feeds on is ours. The zombies that capital makes is is us. You know, we are we are within this machine of that is, you know, a kind of systemic violation of autonomy at every conceivable level. But we've come to enjoy mm-hmm. it. You know, there is a kind of libidinal pleasure 
um, that is explicitly connected mm. to kind of wider forms of capitalist exchange. You know, uh, as, as kind of anti-Oedipus points out, there is only one economy, mm. right? There is only one economy and, the, and there is a kind of direct connection between that, oh, I just like it, uh, and the kind of wider forces of uh, exchange and profit and price mm-hmm. that underpin almost every aspect of our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I was thinking, cause there's that scene where she is like dancing really sexily in front of her mirror. And then she's like kissing the mirror and she's like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of in her own world, but like having a really great time. And I like, to mm-hmm. me that part, I was really like, Oh man, you know, what if, yeah, the most horrifying part of this, whole movie is showing that like even though we all know it's wrong and we like we understand that yeah this i guess the oppressive systems around us are wrong um on some level like we love it like we get off on it you know what i mean or like just Mm. yeah (laughs) yeah um and that's really scary what was it what was it that um deleuze and guitari said they said um Flags, armies, banks, and borders get a lot of people turned on. Mm. And it's like, you you only need to see Donald Trump at CPAC, where he's like literally wrapping himself in the American flag. <laughs> to re- <laughs> and you can go, that's, that is that is a kind of caricature and, and funny image, but it kind of concretizes this connection between mm. li- libidinal investment and capitalist economies of domination. Mm. There, like that is that really is the scary thing. Mm-hmm. Like to a degree, it's true. Mm-hmm. It depends. It depends upon us not buying in, mm-hmm. not just econ- economically, but like pleasurably. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, as you said. You know, it's something that we get off mm-hmm. on. Yeah, absolutely. And it made me kind of think of um, like Caliban and the Witch kind of thing, yeah. where um, yeah. it was there, she was talking about how all of this revolutionary fervor from the the masses in the um, transition from feudalism to capitalism, um, all of that was largely diffused by pitting people against one another. Like, I feel like patriarchy obviously mm-hmm. has a huge role in, um, you know, perpetuating capitalism or even in the beginning of capitalism. But it was basically like, okay, all you men who are, you know, really frustrated and you know, not liking being dominated within this society, don't worry, we're going to make it legal for you to rape, uh, you know, low class women. And so don't worry, you can just you can do all of this. And there was actually enough men who were like, yeah, I want that. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. Like, as long as I have this much power, and I can violate these people's bodily autonomy in whatever way I want, then I'm going to continue supporting this system, right? And it's just, like all of that is so linked to this hedonism and to this just, yeah, like I'm going to take what I want, what I'm going to get pleasure from, even if it's like not a satisfying pleasure, it's not something that's going to like sustain me, but like, that's fine. I'm going to take whatever I can right now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think maybe we should talk a little bit more. We've touched on it sporadically, but we should talk a little bit more about this idea of the kind of ideologies at work here mm-hmm. um, and the ways in which there is throughout this film, there's a lots of, there's lots of like learning and learning to do as you're told. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what you both thought about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I really, as I said, connected that to the, Melanie Joy kind of idea of like the ideology of yeah. carnism and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, 
And in terms of like learning like like how one oppression kind of leads to the next i feel like that's also part of the learning that comes with carnism where it's like mm. okay if we learn how to really oppress one then we'll we'll know better how to oppress the other um for example like uh, like Holocaust technologies taking a lot from animal agriculture and then in, yeah. in turn um, animal agriculture taking from Holocaust mm -hmm. technologies, et cetera. Um, because yeah, it's, it's like if you learn that there is this class of people or sentient beings that it's okay to do whatever you want to for your own pleasure, then I think that, kind of infests your brain and then you like you're more apt to to apply that to groups of people as well right so i feel like that's also part of the learning of um just learning hierarchy i guess right like they're these animals are yeah. the ones that are lowest and so this is what we do to them and this is just the way things are so i think like just learning you know how to accept hierarchy in general is part of this ideology of carnism yeah and it's something that the like it's no it's no coincidence that she's at a university mm -hmm. right that she's mm -hmm. because because it's i mean this this connects back to you know Althusser's great point about ideological state apparatus right mm -hmm. we this is just the way things are and those those kind of on her, on her first night when all of these absolute jerks just break into break into their rooms and throw all of their stuff out the window and kind of shepherd them out they're kind of instructed that they have to obey. They have to mm -hmm. refer to kind of senior students as like elders or venerable ones. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not allowed to make eye contact. Mm -hmm. And so there is, a, there is a kind of, there is what Althusser calls the, the hailing process. You know, the classic example is if you're walking down the street and a police officer like goes, hey, you, and you turn around, you've been placed in that subject position under their authority, as it mm -hmm. were. And that's exactly what happens here. And so even the moment where she tries to resist at the kind of end point where they're being force fed these raw rabbits kidneys, it's like, mm -hmm. are you going to be, a tra are you going to be a traitor? Mm -hmm. Are you going to, yeah. are you going to, are you going to try and bring down everything? Mm -hmm. And it's like, they're trying to systematically crush that kind of independence out mm -hmm. of her. Yeah. Yeah. And I was thinking even more, it's also kind of like, oh, do you want to be a reject? Like, do you want to be mm, like, do yeah, you want to yeah. be mm -hmm. rejected from society? And for people with privilege, it's like, you can choose to say, sure, yeah, reject me. Um, but for a lot of people, like being a reject from society, it's like life and death. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if you don't have yeah. the ability to work and feed yourself, et cetera, it's like you need to obey. You need to be part of the you know, um, legitimate people, I suppose. Right. So not obeying actually has really a lot of material consequences in, under capitalism. So. Mm. Ash, anything you want to add in? Uh, yeah, totally. I just have to, um, find my note for this thing <laughs> one second sorry my, my notes are I, like oh they're the I worst i absolutely love ash's notes uh, <laughs> because uh, he, he he i think is a little like you so he's he always takes like reams and reams of notes mm -hmm. uh but often often it's not entirely clear what he's referring mm -hmm. to um, <laughs> yeah. but there was one in our episode on elvira where it just said emma goldman <laughs> super spooky babe <laughs> super spooky babe well 
Well, yeah, yeah. but, but I, like, I really uh, wish I could remember what what because I remember the only thing I remember about taking that note was my feeling in the moment, and my feeling in the moment was <laughs> was was one of those like revelatory like oh, oh my god like I I've been to the mountaintop and I've seen the truth Emma Goldman super spooky babe question mark yeah <laughs> have you have you managed to yes yes to sit I, 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 the, I've, the I've located it. Uh, so, so the the hazing rituals and kind of kind of the movement from her her like uh, a naive vegetarian stance to like this maximally oppressive consumer of meat uh, reminded reminded me of uh, Propagandi's uh, mm-hmm. song. Apparently, I'm a PC fascist because I care about both human and non-human animals. Mm-hmm. And the the one the one line in the song is that um, uh, and if you buy this shit, then how long until it's me who serves as your commodity, mm. right? And then mm-hmm. the, whole, the whole song is about the process of being indoctrinated through carnism. Mm-hmm. And and I really think that this this movie just embodies that, mm-hmm. right? Like like she she buys into carnism, mm-hmm. and then and then before you know it, everyone around her is a commodity, mm-hmm. and she and she's doing mm-hmm. the mental gymnastics, her and her sister, of, of going like, okay, like. Who who is who is commodified? Who is okay to eat? Mm-hmm. Who is not? Like mm-hmm. okay, dog dogs are not okay to eat. They're our friends. Pigs mm-hmm. okay to eat, even even though ostensibly they're they're incredibly identical animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's that one scene where wasn't she like they were talking? I can't remember actually, but it was some kind of she was being lectured out about how intelligent pigs are and how actually they're so like humans. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, she was eating. She was like secretly eating meat at that time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think that was good—an example of like cognitive dissonance. That mm-hmm. you know, we again, yeah, we we know that there are these animals that we love, um, and we wouldn't like if we wouldn't want to see that pig actually slaughtered and and all of that. But when we get our our meat in this, you know, really fancy sandwich or whatever. We don't think about that at all. And there's yeah. huge cognitive dissonance there. Or, or even mm-hmm. like, like when you go to the store and there's, there's like a bag of like pork snackums and there's like yeah. a smiling pig on the front Ugh. and it's like delicious family fun size. Right. Like it's so, so divorced from the horrifying cruelty that, that the reality of these products actually represent. Right. It's really dark actually. <laughs> like when right? you think yeah. about it. <laughs> really yeah, it's, it's so yeah. gothic like all of these right. logos are like like smiling sexy cow right. on the ice cream or something like that and that right. is just so messed up right mm. yeah it is really messed up Ugh, it's like hard to <laughs> hard to even think about really yeah i was listening to um, the vegan warrior princesses attack podcast uh yesterday and their most recent episode they were talking about how a lot of people really love those videos where you see like the cows going out onto the grass for the first time and like jumping around and like um mm-hmm. and they were talking about how like actually like this is really dark and sad because like yeah. <laughs> because mm-hmm. like think about why they're so happy right now you know uh-huh. what i mean and then think about how many of them are not having this experience you know I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And, and like like especially like like when you actually at least um in the American context when you look at the legislation for what counts as free range. Yeah. It's like x hours of day access to 5 by 5 foot square grass like like no ceiling or something like that. Right, yeah. And uh. and it's it's like that that is abyssal compared to to like the the you you you're exactly right the commercial where there's like a cow running through like like a Windows 98 background or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. 
No, exactly. So yeah, I just think it did such a great job of like when you oppress one, you oppress the other. And that I think that mm-hmm. like, yeah, this like hedonistic violation of other beings autonomy is basically at the heart of like all oppression, you know? Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. They had that, um, <laughs> like she, when she was talking to those people in the, in the cafeteria and they were saying like, oh, you think a raped monkey is the same as a raped woman or whatever? And she Mm -hmm. was like, yeah, (laughs) you know? Um, And they were all horrified, but it's just like, well, what's the difference between violating one's bodily autonomy? Like, neither of them consent to that. Both of Mm -hmm. them are being violated. Um, Like, obviously, people don't want to compare humans to animals, but it's like, in terms of the violation that's occurring, like, they're both being horribly violated, you know? Yeah. So... I think that's a really important point, actually, that there is a kind of reluctance to see the kind of interconnectedness of humans and other animals. Mm-hmm. You know, pe- mm-hmm. people people always want to think of themselves as in some way kind of distinct from or like mm-hmm. uh, hierarchically superior to animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I've been thinking a lot about that kind of the importance of emphasizing the sort of ontological interconnectivity that we all share. Mm-hmm. And if you think of kind of ecosystems and ecological stability as a, as a, as a, as a system, as a network, we can't place ourselves outside of that mm-hmm. because that mm-hmm. is exactly how you perpetuate this understanding that it's, mm-hmm. that it's completely fine. It's not a problem. They, it's, it, it's the other, it's not me. Right. Yeah. This is, you know, there's no, there's no ethical qualm mm-hmm. there. Yeah, absolutely. It is just, yeah, it's the other. And the only reason what we don't really want to compare those two is because we don't want to say that like the life of a human is worth the same as a life of an animal. But what does that even mean? Like worth, this, yeah. you know, and it's like, well, human lives yeah. have worth because, you know, our families care about us and, and whatnot and people are going to be sad. But animals lives, it's like, well, couldn't you say the same thing? We just don't have any connection to what you know, like how other animals value their worth, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, like I think this is this is all like harkening back to like some of those really like just god awful enlightenment ideas, like like the, yeah. the the human is the master who rides the horse, you know, like like other animals mm-hmm. just have animalistic instinct, but we somehow have something greater, right? And, and like ultimately, all those logics, what they're referencing back to is that something greater is is usually like empire colonialism or like factory exploitation. Like those those are, those are the great achievements that supposedly allow us to Lord over everything. Right. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, just this domination of others and domination of, of our own species. Like I, I, I heard that animals are the only species where, um, like the males will kill the females. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember reading that recently. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, of course, in evolutionary terms or whatever, it's, it's, not, it's not advantageous to be killing right? women. Um, but we do it because... It's not a good look, fam. Not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? But yikes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that one, chief. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, so it's like, dear. whatever, domination is what we're good at. <laughs> But it, but it shouldn't be. I think that's that's the challenge, isn't it? How do we reconceptualize subjectivity um, in a way that doesn't naturalize forms of domination mm-hmm. and and doesn't doesn't kind of fetishize that that violation of autonomy of any living creature? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is is seems to me the kind of key challenge of this film, right? How do we mm-hmm. how do we um, kind of 
connect this struggle to the to the struggle for for, for a liberated earth mm-hmm. you know yeah and that's such a huge project and oh yeah i mean i think like part one is like recognizing these things as like ideology you know like recognizing carnism as an ideology um and also recognizing mm-hmm. yeah capitalism patriot all of these things um, and how they manifest within us. And that's a really tough thing. I've been thinking a lot about how mm-hmm. to, you know, like decolonize my own mind in terms of the yeah. ways that capitalism has colonized it. Um, cause I think part of it is like, well, if we are like libidin, li- libidinally, sorry, I'm probably not saying that correctly. Um, <laughs> um, but if we are invested in capitalism in, you know, that kind of a way, like if we actually do like it on some level, like how do we get rid of that within us, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And like, just be conscious of it when it, when it pops up. Right. Mm. Yeah. 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 I think definitely. that's, that's, that's the challenge. You know, I've, I've, I was thinking about this in connection to the work of someone like Donna Haraway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, I have my kind of problems with her, with her conception of the Cthulhu scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think there is. I think there are some issues there, which. Yeah. Um, but I, I do also think that she's one of the very few writers, along alongside people like Bruno Latour and you know many other activists and networks around the world, that are trying to uh, reconceptualize the relationship of, of of humans to the to the world mm-hmm. as something other than a kind of simple exchange relation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um... And yeah, I mean, it's such a, like, again, it's just such a huge project. I like, and it's hard to get people to buy into this because like the indoctrination is so complete in terms of both carnism and capitalism. Um, But Mm. I think that actually climate change is one thing that might actually push people to really start to examine these things and like examine Mm -hmm. um, what does it mean to be a human like in general like what does a human life look like does it look like going to work for like nine to five every day for like money producing nothing like you know typing numbers into a spreadsheet like is this a human life or like is a human life actually existing within the ecosystem in such a way that um yeah, like we're giving as much as we're getting, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 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 Yep. So uh, maybe we can kind of kind of draw some things together by talking about the kind of political use of horror, especially in the context of animal liberation. Any, any kind of final thoughts that people want to bring in? Uh, well, I mean, the political use of the... I mean, I think this movie was really powerful. Although I, I wonder, like... I wonder what the average person watching this would take away from it. Like, cause I was mm-hmm. watching this and I, my brain was just firing every two seconds. Like, Oh, that reminds me of Melanie Joy's thought. Or that reminds me of this yeah. other thought. Like when she got that rash after eating meat the first time, it made me think of mm-hmm. a lot of like vegans arguments about how like the fear and the anxiety and the anguish of the animals in the animal agriculture industry. Um, like when they die in such a horrible way, like the fear and everything like, like fundamentally does something to the chemical composition of their bodies. And then like eating that is actually bad for the human body and soul. And I was kind of like, Oh, this Mm -hmm. rash is kind of like all of that coming out on her skin and everything. Right. But then I thought, 
is a is an average normie who doesn't know hasn't heard any of these arguments are they going to pick up on this stuff or are they just going to be like oh cool like they're cannibals you know <laughs> yeah when, when i when i saw that scene like the rash thing yeah the first thing that popped into my mm-hmm. mind is is that is that like that the, the kind of like apocryphal like oh like you know when vegetarians eat meat for the first time they get sick because right. their their bodies have somehow mutated into like photosynthesized or something oh yeah mm. yeah but i mean like do you know what i mean like like so many parts i oh, just yeah. had these these thoughts firing all the time and i f- i just wondered like somebody who who has no knowledge of any of these kind of themes what would they take away from the film like would they take away from it that carnism is intimately linked with patriarchy and capitalism and all forms of domination or would they just be kind of like i think like i think it does a good job in like making um meat eating look horrible and horrifying um oh yeah i just i you know i never have that much faith in (laughs) in like (laughs) average people and what they're going to take away from things but um but i think that this was a really powerful film in making the like it's the best that i've seen in making those connections um and making them seem really horrifying to people so i think that's really like the political use of this film in particular but yeah 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 i i i really like that this is probably outside of like uh you know, mildly obscure political punk and like the documentary film scene. Like I don't see a lot of art like expressly concerned with these left interpretations of veganism. Yeah. You know, like when, when I see veganism represented in the mainstream, it's always like, like, like as you were saying, like uh, in Instagram diet lifestyle people, like, like the YouTube uh, lifestyle vegans. Yeah. Or like, like, you know, like the occasional like poster for the new like soy ice cream flavor or something. Mm-hmm. And and like never, never these higher critiques. But, you know, mm-hmm. when I see like anti-racism, anti-sexism, workers' rights things, I think the public has a better understanding of the actual implications mm-hmm. and, and, and environmental issues as well than they yeah. do of the animal rights scene. And I think that that's, that that's kind of like a whole that this this film is trying to do a tightrope walk over that the the average person might just see veganism as like that that weird austere diet that some people take on mm-hmm. and not like a commitment to a political project the same way they might parse like if this movie would have been about the workers in factory farms and less focused mm. on the the rights of the animals themselves i think uh, the a general public that's not like online left twitter 24 7 might might have been able to more specifically parse mm-hmm. the, the movie's message than than it has been if that makes sense yeah i think that does make sense um yeah i would i would agree definitely but i i would also kind of add in that i i i want to sort of reiterate that that's the value of of, of kind of a, a thriving left culture is that is that we can test um, cultural products that are that are placed in front of us and we go actually you know I, I i say this all the time but the value of historical materialism the value of the leftist tradition in all of its diversity and, and multiplicity is that it has explanatory power mm-hmm. you know it has the it has the ability to go, to connect you know people can see this and just go ah cannibals that's kind of creepy yeah. and a bit weird but, <laughs> but, but you know, and that's 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 a start but it's it's through a kind of leftist engagement with culture that we can actually produce stuff that kind of educates people that goes actually Mm -hmm. we can connect this to the kind of struggles of 
for animal liberation out in the world, mm-hmm. to, to questions of, of patriarchy, to questions of misogyny, to questions of the of the uh, ideological indoctrination of, of young people in educational institutions. Mm-hmm. So um, whilst I think, you know, as with all horror, this is a kind of ambivalent film, um, it's also something that is, you know, good spooky fuel for the mm-hmm. left. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> 100. 100 <laughs> percent. I think that's good, but are we going to ask? Yeah. Um, suggested that yes. we did some headlines and I wrote some down. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, I really want yeah, yes. really to do this. So, so, so I've, I've been, I've been like a vegan for like half my life, vegan slash vegetarian. And like your, your content, Mexi, like on, on YouTube and your podcast has just been absolutely just fantastically informative to, to really help shape my, my, my current positions oh, as, as someone on the left. And your, your episode on, um, what was it? Emergent strategy. Oh Yeah. Yeah, uh, was was just was was one of the reasons why I I was kind of like moved to start this pro- this podcast, right? Like, oh, amazing! I, I I wanted to 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 like grow something, to like try and create something more positive, you know, rather mm. than just kind of like dunk on CNN all the time or or, or whatever <laughs> I was doing beforehand, right? And and like your 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 segment where where you where you read these like uh like hopeful solar punk kind of like yeah. future headlines mm-hmm. is just like the most positive and uplifting left content I've seen in a while. Oh, amazing! I'm so, so glad. Yeah, everyone yeah. should check out Adrian Marie Brown's book called Immersion Strategy. It's really really inspiring and fantastic. Yeah, work. we've been loving like this whole building the future, dreaming the future kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, phase that we're in i guess has left us <laughs> moving yeah, moving yeah. from the critique into the building phase i guess yeah well put but yeah let's read let's read some let's do a, a spooky let's do a gothic uh version of uh, a hopeful future headlines so mine were number one Marx and Engels successfully erased from the dead complete capital volume six. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause they never got to finish the capital series. Right. So I was like, they got to come back and do that. Um, Okay. Number two, peaceful transition to socialism uh, realized as happening like plague takes out capitalist class CIA and military industrial complex. <laughs> that kicks so much ass. <laughs> um, and then, okay, this one's kind of strange, but I said this Halloween 2050, people around the world take part in mass ego suicide. So I kind Ooh. of imagine, because one of my things for the headlines that I came up with for emergent strategy was um, that everyone would strive for ego death um Mm -hmm. because i felt Mm -hmm. like ego was something that he was kind of keeping us back um keeping us in this hedonistic violation of everyone kind of uh yeah uh, system that we're in um so i kind of imagined um this is kind of dark but you remember when everyone did that mass suicide for that comet what was that comet that everyone uh haley's yes but I was like, but everyone, yeah. well, we won't actually commit suicide. We'll commit ego suicide. I don't like a global. Ooh. Yeah. I really <laughs> like that one. That, that is that is so goth. Yes. I um, love it. And then the last one is new haunted amusement park takes visitors <laughs> through horrors of capitalist past. So that's like if we're Ooh, yes. in the future post-capitalism and then everyone's like, oh, my God, look how scary capitalism was. We have to make a whole amusement park about it. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. 
Oh man. Go ahead, Ash. What were yours? All right, all right. So, so here I'll start. I'll start with the two that I I, I sent Mexi in in an, in an email um, as, as as like examples. So, so the first one is um, all haunted attractions to be fully accessible by 2020. Yes. Little yeah. little goals, little baby steps right there. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the 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 larger one was treaty ratified, eco burial, new global standard. I love that <laughs> one. I was like, oh, good one. Because at first I had no idea. I'm like, what do you mean spooky thing that I want to see? And then I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> of course, this is great. <laughs> right. And then um one one that was kind of similar to yours is, is uh the death of capital. The last capitalist economy makes peaceful transition to socialism. Nice, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> and the, oh, what a vi- what what a vision of the future the two of you have just laid out for me. Right. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> and the the final the final one I have is uh, Specter of Communism fully haunts globe. Now possessed humanity rejoices. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Well, the 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 spirit of communism has been very good uh, in this episode. Uh, I've felt I've, I've felt it. I've felt it. Yeah, it's um, been fantastic. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This is really really great. It was like a really good time. Yeah, thank you for being our first guest. Yeah, so much fun. <laughs> the the first visitor to the spine gang. Right. Yeah. Uh, brilliant okay yeah well, thank you thank you thank you thank you so much um and please to all of our listeners please do subscribe to mexi on youtube uh please do check out the vegan vanguard available on all good podcast platforms as well as an rss feed uh, and if you have enjoyed if you enjoy what we do please also do think about supporting the vegan uh, vanguard on patreon as well you mean the horror vanguard uh, thank- uh, I was I was trying to plug you. Oh, back, really? But, uh, okay. I mean, both. You know, the, the, we're the two best vanguards around. We are the two best vanguards around. I also just want to say, check out a privileged vegan, also who does amazing intersectional mm-hmm. vegan content, and also uh, vegan warrior princesses attack. Also does really great yes. like, anti-capitalist vegan work. What we will do is we will come up with um, uh, links to all of these as well as the amazing resources that Mexi has mentioned. We'll make sure all of that goes in the show notes uh, to make sure that that's going to be a whole host of good leftist vegan content that you can check out. Beautiful. Thank you Fantastic. so much. Oh, yo, you are so welcome. This is awesome. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I'm so excited to see what everyone thinks when this comes out. Thanks for tuning in, creeps and comrades. And remember, stay Stay spooky. Ah, that was so cool. Holy shit.